Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Becky and Dave, the original Live from the Blue Seats crew. On, on this week's uh, episode, John Luke is uh, is here in spirit. He is producing the show, but we uh, will not be hearing from him tonight. So love you and miss you, John Luke. And I'm sure you'll be back soon enough. Uh, so Dave, Becky, how are we doing? Another uh, week of Rangers hockey is in the books, and this team has done nothing but win over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they, they've hit their first, <laughs> they've hit their first <laughs> true high point of the season with a five and zero road trip, uh, completing a very convoluted and complicated swing through the Pacific Northwest and Canada. Um, so, yeah, how are you both doing, uh, Dave? Start with you. What's going on uh, in your world? Well, my four month old slept through the night the last two <gasps> nights thank you for daycare yay so you sound much more refreshed and good to go and well we stabby. also uh well um the same amount of stabby but i'm a more controlled stabby okay if that makes sense controlled uh, we also started this yeah. whole thing where i'll sleep in the guest room until about 3 three thirty, and then me and my wife will swap and I'll go into the room because right now number two is in our room because we can't have her waking up number one. So mm-hmm. it's just this whole rotation. But the last couple of nights we haven't had to do the rotation and we're hoping it sticks because if it does, happy Dave is going to be happy. Amazing. This podcast is like 80% Rangers, 20% like the tr- trials and tribulations of young parents, by the way. So for those yeah. of you who don't like that part of it, Sorry, I'll just have to deal with it. Uh, uh, Becky, well, what... if we want to tie that to Rangers, by the way, both of them sleep through me screaming at the TV whenever the Rangers play. We have had very good luck with that as well, I would say. Becky, uh, pretty famously during Game 7 against Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, broke our ottoman in celebration. <laughs> uh, when well, I'm the sorry, how am I just game. hearing about this now? No, I think we did talk about this, but I don't think we properly uh, highlighted it, to be fair. But it's yeah, Becky, true. why don't you explain what happened? And 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 our yeah. daughter, we only had one at the time. She did not wake up, and there was a lot of commotion. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I listen. I like acknowledge that my body is not what it once was. It has nothing to fine. do with your body. That's because not where this is going. I'm Cause, not cause... body. I'm not body shaming myself. Let me. Oh no, I'm just calling you old. <laughs> so, but, but what I was going to say is that people who are much larger than I sit on this cat have sat on this couch sit on this couch more than one person has sat on the ottoman etc 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 so it has nothing to do with that but I was sitting on the ottoman as was my lucky spot because I'm a psychopath and when that goal I jumped up like jumped up and then slammed down on the couch and like heard this horrific noise and I was like oh okay and now there's a dent in it the size of my ass so that's that's where we're at now. Also, if I could and, just and at West Elm, like this is not the best constructed couch for the price. So I'm going to say the couch is a huge piece of shit. And I was going to say, don't buy furniture from West Elm. Sorry, I guess they're they've been crossed off the list of potential sponsors for this podcast. But like for the price you pay, the products are not very good. 
especially uh, the couches. Uh, I don't know. We have a bedroom set from there. The bedroom set's pretty nice, but the the couch is garbage. I just got flashbacks to when uh, one of my roommates, Becky, remember when uh, Chris went ass first through the wall in college and we just had a giant ass print of a hole in a wall? This is what I'm thinking about now with, with the ottoman. Oh my, basically, basically. Or I think you jumped, and this is going to sound so, so bad because like for the record, like Dave and I have been friends forever and literally only friends because we would legitimately murder each other. But oh, yeah. you, you oh, broke yeah. my bed. And like, I did. that sounds filthy, but it was literally because <laughs> you jumped on my bed in my old apartment when you were hammered, when you were dating someone that you used to date. And- Oh God! Then you you then left, but I was like, you like literally came into my apartment, drank my liquor, jumped on my bed, broke my bed, and then exited. And I was like, (laughs) what is this crap? And I had a dip in my bed into like. Why didn't you tell me this? I would have. I would have paid for a new bed. (laughs) I definitely told you this, and I'm pretty sure you were just drunk. I think you were drunk for like three years straight at that point. Yeah, that's about right. Actually, all things considered, that was not the best time in my life. That's uh, okay. We all have those. My bad. I'll buy you a bottle of scotch. Thanks. Scotchy, scotchy, scotch. That works for, for me. all that. We are. <laughs> you're all. We're. Everyone's still friends here. So that's the. Uh, that's the moral of the story, right? True friendships can withstand broken furniture. And um, and people might still be listening to this podcast somehow. Five minutes in, I don't know. <laughs> It's a perfect segue, honestly, to uh, to the Rangers, right? So, and and a tr- I mean, they're the thing that, that have kind of brought us all together, anyway. So, there's your segue. Um, look, uh, I I tweeted sort of jokingly that the uh, the tenor of the podcast would be about eighty eight percent positive, right? Because as I said at the top, the team's done nothing but win, and you know they come off now to the last two games of the road trip were overtime thrillers where the Rangers had to come from behind. Uh, you know, the Winnipeg game was a, a pretty solid effort, but the tired legs again started showing up in the latter half of the game. Uh, but they get the game winner from Mika Zibanejad, uh, who has, fi- he's finally started scoring. They're, they're now just Philip Heedles, kind of the only prominent guy without a goal. And it's kind of amazing that they have the record they do without Philip Heedle having scored a goal. But, you know, that's not a complaint. That's just kind of a weird, uh, a weird statement of fact. So, um, Becky, let's start with you because I think this is the right time for it. L- what is the vibe check on this season so far? And I guess what stood <laughs> out to you uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks with the team getting wins in a variety of ways? Listen, we all know the vibes are pretty high right now. Um, the uh, uh, Sweeping a, a road trip, a five-game road trip, a Western road trip is always going to make the vibes really really high but the tenacity of the team to be able to come back against was the jets and beat them fantastic nothing like a really good and then the team hug are you kidding me like it doesn't get better than a team hug so yeah the vibes are good they are high they are vibing we love this i want to also and then dave i'll get your kind of top line thoughts but i want to point out because look, there were some, there were some, you know, if, if you're one of the folks who, and, and I think it's, you know, I'm one of them, uh, you know, you look at the metrics and you're like, all right, well, they got outplayed. Maybe they got lucky in this game, goaltending power plays, right. Played a, or, or penalty kill played a big role. Three on three overtimes, always a bit of a crap shoot. Although the Rangers were 
awful under Gerard Gallant in three three on three overtime, and now they're two and o, two and zero under Peter Laviolette. I don't think that's a coincidence. Maybe that's something we can dig into a little bit. But I just want to recap logistically how, frankly, fucking stupid this road trip was. And it's one of those things (laughs) with the NHL where I'm just like, how does this happen? And and look, I'm, I'm one. I understand how complex scheduling is when you talk about arena availability and TV and time slots and all that. But the Rangers went to Seattle. All right, all the way to the Pacific Northwest, the the Pacific time zone. They went back a time zone to the mountain time zone, I guess, for in Alberta with Edmonton and Calgary. Then they went back west to Vancouver, back to the Pacific time zone, right? And then they came back, I think, which to Winnipeg, which is central time. So they did three time zones, but four time zone changes if you count the initial trip from east to west. MSG posted the mileage. I think it was over 6,000 miles traveled when you factor in um, and that doesn't factor in the return flight. Um, so, so it's just, it, it was such a difficult road trip. And I think uh, that probably had a lot to do with some of the, you know, let's say less energetic stretches of hockey we saw, but um, I just, that's something I wanted to rant on real quickly because when I, when I saw the the schedule and the order of those games, I was like, why aren't they playing Vancouver and Seattle back to back? Like the, there, there's, that's the same time zone. Vancouver and Seattle are, you know, neighboring cities, essentially just on the other side of the border. So it really made no sense to me, but you know, it looked, the Rangers persevered. And I think to Becky, Becky's point, they're proving to be a very tenacious team. So Dave, what are your kind of, like I said, top line thoughts? So again, it's a little bit difficult for me to give full thoughts because the Winnipeg game was the first one that I was actually able to watch from puck drop to final whistle. Um, there was just a lot going on last month, <clears throat> but the summary that I can, the only summary I can think of right now is everybody's talking about the fourth line and how the fourth line is getting buried and they are. And if you take a step back, if the fourth line is the thing that people are complaining about, something is going very well for this team. Because we're not we're not seeing anybody have issues with the top nine. Nobody's complaining about Kako. No one's complaining about Laugh. People are complaining about Wheeler for some unknown reason, but it's not his fault he's old. Um <laughs> And he's also been fine. Like, Wheeler's been fine. He hasn't scored yet, but that third line has been great. If we're complaining about what amounts to essentially Nick Benino, we're something's going right for this team. Benino, 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 Benino. I'm sorry. What the hell? <laughs> sorry. Banana, banana, guy. banana, banana, banana. Well, that was the hockey in hockey night in Canada had a Punjabi language uh, call. Uh, I think they still do. And um, the guy, the way the guy said Nick Benito's name, he, you know, and he scored a couple of huge goals for Pittsburgh in the, in the playoffs. And I think in the Stanley cup final, and he, he was, it was a fake YouTube, the Benino call, Dave, you'll, you'll find it. Um, Yeah. Listen, I, I know where everyone's going with this and I'll, I'll say this about Nick Benino. Just like uh, Blake Wheeler and just like any new player on this team, uh, although Gustafson has had an easier transition because of his familiarity with the coach and with the system. Let's just give it a little bit of time. Like you said, Dave, if the fourth mm-hmm. line is is the one issue and it is the glaring issue right now, um, 
then that's okay. The other thing, by the way, that that uh, you didn't mention in that, you know, we're not talking about laugh. We're not talking about Kako. We're not talking about Jonathan Quick, who has been awesome. He played in the Seattle game somewhat <laughs> uh, unexpectedly and played great. He gave up one goal. He played in the Edmonton game, which was which I think was a smart move because they wanted to get him, you know, multiple games on this trip. Edmonton was without McDavid. They were a little bit of a mess. It looks like they've steadied the ship a little bit since, but um, you know, certainly the Canadian media was all over them for the last couple of weeks. Um, and quick shuts them out. And, and you know, and, and the Rangers played a really solid game. I think that was the second best game of the trip. Um, you know, the Seattle game was the most complete effort. They kind of dominated start to finish. The Edmonton game, they were they were far and away the better team for two periods. Edmonton kind of edged them out in terms of expected goals and, and I think shot attempts, but that's because the Rangers were holding a big lead. Uh, and that's also because uh, Edmonton got some chances off of broken plays. Like they, they were not stringing passes together. They did not have the Rangers running out of position. The Rangers did an excellent job on Leon Dreisaitl in that game. I had no problem with the Edmonton game whatsoever. Um, and Jonathan Quick played great and, and deserved the shutout he got. So, you know, all of the problem areas that I think people were like worried about coming into the season, myself included, right, with with Lafreniere, which I know Becky probably wants to say something about in a second here. Oh, yeah. Um, these headlines are these have not been the headlines. The headlines have been like, wow. This team is excellent defensively. They're obviously getting good goaltending, but from both guys, which is somewhat surprising. And the star players are star players. I mean, if look, if Jack Hughes wasn't playing like the, frankly, the 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 front runner for MVP right now because you can't really, you know, McDavid's missed time. Uh, Hughes is leading the league in scoring. You'd probably say Artemi Panarin is that guy. He has 15 points in nine games. He has been completely dominant uh, in stretches. He's been electric every night at certain points of each game. So, you know, and, and when your star players are star players, all you need is this kind of solid foundation around them. And, and the Rangers have built that uh, with Laviolette. So, Becky, I know, I think, you know, I want you to build off of that. But also, I think, like I said, you probably want to maybe publicly call me out for some takes. I think you owe Alexi Lafreniere an apology, honestly. Well, and, and I, I think you wanted me to write something for the, so maybe, maybe, this I do. Will be a, maybe it'll be a written letter, a written apology to laugh. Yeah. I think um, like it's, it's okay. Listen, and you are the kind of person who absolutely would do this. So I don't like, I think you'll do it, but like, it's okay to have a strong opinion in the preseason as long as you're able to eat crow if you are wrong. And I think, listen, like at the end of the day is Lafreniere playing like a first overall pick like no he's not like really a first you know he's not like Connor McDavid but how many Connor McDavid's really are there right but he is playing very well so I think you need to maybe tell him you're sorry I don't know I will 100% do that and I'll, I'll give you a an abbreviated version of that here Go ahead. um I I certainly uh went a little overboard, I suppose, in my reactions to what I saw in the preseason. And, you know, I think, I, I think I wasn't alone. Um, no, you were not alone. We were no, all no. a little curious as to what was going on. Yeah. And I think that that's what it was too. And, it, you know, because like I said at the time, I, I think with preseason, like, yeah, of course the games don't matter. Nothing counts for the standings. There's plenty of guys who are literally just out there to shake the rust off, like Panarin, right? Like Chris Kreider, like Adam Fox, those types of guys to, who are established 
you know, not even star players, right? There are plenty of veterans who are more like role players like Jimmy Vesey, although he, you know, he was kind of trying to earn a, earn a spot, which he has now. Um, you know, they're just trying to shake the rust off. They're just trying to make sure that they're ready to go for opening night. You know, with laugh, I was like, all right, this, you know, this guy kind of needs to show a little bit more to a new coach. Or that's what you were expecting. Right. And, you know, it turned out that he just needed the games to count. And, and also he needed the opportunity. And I think that that's what, what is so impressive uh, to me about LaViolette is that he has given all of the young players opportunity. Will Cooley counts in that, you know, counts in that, uh, that group as well. Um, Laugh just needed like a lot of players, right? He needed 10 games where the message was just go play. Don't worry about making mistakes. And, you know, if this is working, we're not going to touch it. And, you know, he's been playing on the same, that his line has not been touched uh, at all this season. And he's reaping the rewards now. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Becky, no, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not scoring like a first overall pick, but you know, I saw an interesting graphic on the NHL network earlier. I had it on during the day and they were showing Jack Hughes's progression. Um, he made it a massive leap between year three. He had 56 points in his third season. And then last year he had 99, right? So we are now in last fourth season. You know, what do you have last year? He had about 38, 39 points, right? So what if he has a similar jump, right? What, you know, Hughes almost doubled his point total, right? Uh, what if Laugh goes from 38 or 39 points to 60 points this year? I think we would all be thrilled with that. And that to me would show real progress. So look, I'm sorry to Alexi Lafreniere. Um, I also, frankly, I'm not going to hide from my takes. Like I said what I said uh, <laughs> and he's proven me wrong. And that's what sports is all about. So I'm happy to be wrong. Certainly very happy to be wrong in this case. I think we were all happy to be wrong on laugh because, you know, those concerns dated back a while. I think suit wrote something on laugh skating. I think it was late 2022. So probably about a year ago. And that's when we all started kind of taking a step back and looking at laugh, seeing if it was more than just a playing time issue and more than just a Gallant issue. And then we start hearing the rumblings about his work ethic combined with the no progress with his skating. And it's natural for us, even as optimistic as we like to be, to reassess where we are with the optimism. Be like, okay, maybe we're missing the ball. I mean, we're missing something on laugh. And it's good to see that he finally, um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. It looks like he finally grew up and is starting to realize he has to do more than just rely on talent alone. Because mm-hmm. those work ethic questions weren't questions. They were essentially confirmed. I think it was Valley that said something on air once about his work ethic. Yeah. yeah. That may have been us overblow, uh, taking what he said out of context, in fairness. Well, Becky, how do you remember it? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't have the best memory, but I definitely recall there being some conversation about immaturity. And listen, like, last season was upsetting at times. And I think LaViolette, like, it's it's great. Like, I think you asked before, too, like, before I told you that you need to apologize to Lafreniere, is, like, <laughs> having a new coach is great no matter what. Like, no matter who the coach is because it's a fresh start no matter what. So I just said no matter, like, six times. I'm sorry. That was really bad. Um <laughs> 
but having a new coach and having a fresh start in everything means you get to try new things. You get to learn a new system, et cetera, et cetera. And they look really fresh. They seem to be responding really well to La Violette. And I really enjoy that La Violette speaks to, to you for more than a minute, doesn't say things like, I'm not going to tell you who the goalie is tonight. Like, mm-hmm. just oh, super I hated basic, that crap. Like, super basic stuff. Doesn't say, if I were a betting man, which just like makes <laughs> me want to strangle something. Anatomy. I am a betting man and I hate that shit. Yeah, like these are just like, and I'm sure that there's going to be phrases and shit that we wind up hating about Laviolette. And, you know, at the end of the day, he looks like Fred Flintstone, which is very confusing for me. But <laughs> the, the the honeymoon phase right now is really nice. And he is a proven winner. So I'm just kind of yeah, like, he is a proven little, winner. I'm doing like the, yeah. the King of Queens, like shrug thing here. That's like the meme now. <laughs> Oh, where did that I, meme come from? Because all of a sudden, I come I in, I know, see Kevin James all over my timeline. It's so funny, getting though. photoshopped onto people. I'm like, what the hell? It's so funny. It, it had literally happened overnight. Yeah, it happened one night. It just all of a sudden, it was all over, you know, Twitter or X, yeah. this is, as they call it This now. is the new age of that. Remember how our entire generation basically started a rumor that Marilyn Manson had two ribs removed so he could suck yep. his own dick? Yep. This is the modern <laughs> yes. equivalent to that. I can't and believe I know there's true, at least one person listening to this that has no idea what the hell we're talking about. Google it. An entire generation in high school or middle school, all of us were like, Marilyn Manson had two ribs removed so he could suck his own dick. Everybody knew it. It was a fact for everybody. Well, it's we like all, the cootie, like, it's like the I cooties thing too, true. right? Like there's no like uh universal uh like letter that goes out to every like eight-year-old boy that says girls have cooties or 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 vice versa right <laughs> but like I, I didn't go to school with you guys you didn't go to school with me we we, we all had did like the cooties thing and yeah so very weird um i don't know how we got on that subject but uh no i i mean look the thing about lafreniere to me too is that he does look a little bit quicker what i love that laviolette has done with him is he's made him into the 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 primary four checker on that line, right? And that's why the line works so well. You know, Laviolette's basically said, "Hey, listen, your job is simple: go hound the puck, no matter what. Once the puck gets in the offensive zone, you know, if it's a dump in uh, or a chip in, you know, it's your job to go get it." And that, I think that that suits Lafreniere. Uh, it obviously opens up ice for Heedle and Panarin. And then you know, it's about getting the spots on the ice where you can score. And, and that's you know the other thing that you know look. And, and I love Rob. We're going to have Rob Luker on the show soon, I'm sure, because we're right around the 10 game mark. He's going to do his trends right up and we'll have him on to kind of talk about it and pick apart some of the numbers stuff on a, on a future episode. But, you know, Rob's kind of like he's taking a, I'll say it. He's taking a little bit of a snarky tone about Lafreniere on Twitter, kind of saying like, oh, you're the kid that's always been a good finisher is finishing like blah. And I'm like. The thing that's different this year to me is if you watch the game and yes, this is me making an eye test argument. He is getting to those spots more frequently and he is working harder to get there. And I think that's where like you can't ignore the rumbles, the rumblings. And like you said, Dave, the confirmed rumblings about the work ethic thing, you know, there and, and maybe it wasn't laziness, but he certainly had listless shifts on ice and long stretches of listless play where he was just kind of hanging around on the perimeter and not really doing much. And maybe that was coaching. Maybe that was work ethic. Probably a combination of the two. These things usually are. 
it's on him though. It was on him to like work harder and get to the front of the net. I mean, that's what, look, it took Chris Kreider a long time to learn how to do that. Right, Becky? I mean, this is, I remember when you and I first started talking about the Rangers in 2015 and I was like, oh, I love Chris Kreider. I like bought his t-shirt. He's like homegrown. I I think he's going to be great. And you're like, he's lazy. He doesn't go to the front of the net was basically your argument. Oh, I don't God, think I called him. I don't think I called him lazy. That but I well. definitely. I I definitely. You know what? No, maybe not lazy. I, I, I could on be, that I, one I, too. I didn't. I don't think I called him lazy, but I think it bothered me so much because he's huge. He's built like a brick shit house, and he was not in front of the net. And I know that that's a skill. I know that you can't just stand in front of the net and like get goals. And obviously, but it would frustrate me that he wouldn't be there. And he'd like try to make these like stupid finesse shots, and I'm like, but you. Like that's not just get to the fucking front of the net, but also like on the, in the in the same vein, Henrik used to come out of the net, and I'd be like, get the fuck in the net, like that's oh, where you're good. That's where I remember you're good. everybody screaming there. at Hank. Oh god, everybody in the stands would scream, get back in the net. Like one of the best goalies, but like understand what you're good at and like where your very very few shortcomings are. Right, very 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 few shortcomings. So. Anyway, now like Igor gets out of the net and I'm just like, that's fine. Go score, score a goal. goal. <laughs> yeah, he's an elite puck handler. Well, and but also I'm getting, you know, it's one of those things with Jonathan Quick. He is a he is not a good puck handler and he definitely takes some chances coming out of the net to play puck. So we will be screaming, get back in the net at Jonathan Quick, I'm sure, a few times this year. Um, say, he's screaming a few things at Jonathan Quick, I'm sure. <laughs> Jonathan, yeah. get back in the net quick. <laughs> well done. Uh, <laughs> le- let's touch on the fourth line a little bit, though. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, because it is such a glaring look, they're the outlier, right? Every every other line is pretty good either at, you know, totally limiting the other team, which is what the third line is, is a lead at right now. The Trocek Cooley Wheeler line. They just give up nothing. They don't generate a ton, but they give up nothing. So they have, you know, good underlying numbers and they, they should be scoring more. I think that there's, you know, some positive regression on, on the way for those three players. And then the other two lines are pretty dynamic offensively. The fourth line kind of does just spend too much time in their own end. And I guess, you know, why do we think that is? Because, you know, uh, look, Jimmy Vesey was one of the best all around Rangers last year, period. And he was a the, the ideal utility forward, right? He played up and down the lineup. He had great underlying numbers. He scored 10 goals. You know, I think Barkley Goodrow, you know, even as the contract does not age well, uh, is still a player that should be, you know, above water or at least treading water. And Nick Benino has a very solid, you know, defensive record. He brings value with his penalty killing, his, his ability to block shots, win faceoffs, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, on paper, that should be actually a pretty effective fourth line you know, Dave, why, what's your hypothesis here? Why do you think it's has not worked that well so far? Well, Rob, <clears throat> it's funny that you say this because that was the topic of today's seven thoughts post for the Patreon subscribers. Thank you all for the support there. Um, all of that goes to being able to pay the writers that write for the blog. So again, thank you. Um, there is a, huge discrepancy with the fourth line and where their shifts are. And this isn't the sole reason why their numbers look like shit. Um, They get 7% offensive zone starts. Seven. Seven miles an hour. Seven miles an hour. I knew you were (laughs) a great, great reference. 
And in the great, never mind. Um, and usually people pull, yep. <laughs> and in the great state of Oregon, people pull over to the shoulder. Anyway, um, that's one problem, not one problem, but that's their role. We're actually right. getting the roles that we were promised way back when Galan was hired five years ago, whenever. Um, he, this line is. They have one purpose. They are to win defensive zone faceoffs and get the puck into the offensive zone. That second part, they're not necessarily doing yet, but they are winning faceoffs. They're not playing in a normal rotation. Gallant did, you know, a normal one, two, three, four rotation at even strength. Laviolette appears to be doing a one, two, three, one, two, three, four, and also uses face-off location to deploy mm-hmm. his lines. Mm-hmm. You know, a coach that adjusts to in-game scenarios. That's nice to see. But the one thing that is bothersome to me is they're, <clears throat> they're hemorrhaging shot attempts against at, to the tune of 75 shot attempts against per 60, which is the ninth worst line in the entire NHL. That's 106 lines with a minimum of 30 minutes time on ice. Ninth worst. That's horrible. And they're the 16th worst at expected goals against. Um, But they've allowed no goals. That's so weird. It's just so weird. Thank you, Igor Sesterkin. And Jonathan Quick. But well, and also, that, you know, that are, needs are they course. giving up a lot of high danger chances too? That's the other, or is it is it just a lot of you know uh, shots from the point? It's a lot of high danger, sixteen point eight two high dangers mm. per sixty. But I do not have the rank because evolving hockey does not have high danger chances listed, or at least I haven't found them yet. And I had to use natural stat trick, which doesn't have line ranks. Right, mildly right. frustrating. But it's not it's not pretty. <clears throat> On the bright side, Jimmy Vesey is stabilizing that line a little bit because Tyler Pitlick was not good, as we kind of expected. But again, we're talking about the fourth line, and really, it does. The numbers look like Benito's the one that's kind of dragging them. But give him time. Worst case scenario, and you know, there's Jake Lecision. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I think Rob and Becky just tried to stab me through. Well, I was going to say, um, Becky, what would you make any changes to the fourth line? And um, if so, what would they be? Um, I mean, it seems ridiculous to say, like, it is a small sample size, of course, but like, it feels ridiculous to say that, like, it's the team in general is working right now so if that seems to be working right now like I don't know I mean look do I think that like swapping in Pitlick is gonna make some massive like disruption to the team like probably not but I also don't think it's necessarily gonna benefit the team um I think Fucking with the lines right now would really hurt it if we're talking about making like some kind of actual big change. Um, I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Dave is oddly quiet right now. Dave, what happened? We, we lost Dave. 
Oh no. Oh. Um, oh no. Daniel Jones. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, I agree, though. I agree with you, Becky. I don't because everything else is is working so well and so balanced. It doesn't make it's it's almost like it's still an if it ain't broke, don't fix it situation. Right. right. So in the in the sense that I, I wouldn't drop Will Cooley, you know, even though he might help. Um, look, right. I mean, my main my main issue with the fourth line is Benino and and it's not that I I don't think he's a good player but I do think his lack of speed plays a role here. I think he's just not and look he's an older player. I mean look, he's one of the uh you know uh one of the older players on the team. Obviously he and Blake Wheeler are both new signings but that's you know the Rangers went to the the over 35 crowd because of the lack of cap space. You know Wheeler's not the fastest guy in the world but he's obviously got you know a lot more offense to his game and, and, and he's got, you know, his instincts kind of carry him into the offensive zone. Whereas Benito has always been a defense first player, but he doesn't seem to have the quickness to break up plays and transition to offense. He's just right. kind of, all right, I've, I've got to get in front of the puck now and right. block a shot, which is great, right. but you know, that's, that doesn't help you get out of your zone. So um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. And I think it's something worth watching. I also think, uh, and I think Dave is back, which is great. Dave, hope all is well. I don't know um, what just happened. Well, we're glad we're glad you're back. I talked um, to myself for a minute. It was great. <laughs> my bad. Uh, well, I, I, so I'll ask you the same question, Dave, and then we'll get to the, our, our fan questions to wrap up. Would you make any changes to the fourth line? You know, what's your kind of uh, uh, what's your what are some potential solutions here? Because Becky and I were just saying it's kind of an almost it's almost an if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing team wide, right? You don't want to break up the other lines to try and fix the fourth line, which only plays six minutes a night anyway. I would let it ride for a little bit. You know, there's no need to rush this. We've seen how older guys need to get their legs under them. Let Nick Benino figure it out. Let him get adjusted to the new system. If by the trade deadline, he's still a problem, then either call up Johnny Brodzinski, trade for one of the 75 fourth liners that are going to get traded for insert draft pick here. Uh, It's not that hard to go out and get somebody like him. And on the bright side, if this is a true need, then guess what we're not going to be trading for or signing or anything. don't, Don't even say the name. I can't do um, it again. I'm exhausted. We're not saying the name unless, he, unless he's literally yeah. on the team, and we're just not doing it. Yeah. I, I just want to – that would put an end to all of that or should put an end to all of that. Absolutely. Anyway. All right, Becky, I think you've got the questions queued up. Yeah, I mean, so let's get to those. And just to close on the fourth line thing, I agree. You know, let's uh, – you let it ride. Uh, see if if Benino can kind of you know fix because I, I think he is the weak link on the line even though he does bring so much value with the faceoffs and the block shots you know it's it's also diminishing returns if all you're doing is blocking shots so uh, with that what do we have from our lovely fans um, so not too many questions this week and I'm really a little upset that my favorite John Cougar Colleen Camp has not asked me anything related to Pitlick. That breaks a streak too. That he, it, I think he's asked a, a question like probably like twenty shows in a row. If I had yeah. to put a rough number on it, yeah. And to answer last week's question, which I got booted from that 
podcast or two weeks ago, excuse me. Thanks everyone. Or was it last week? Whatever. Um, the, the funniest player that would be dating a mega star would be Capo Caco for sure. I mean, like, look at him. He's so like just sweet and kind and awkward and it is a nice city. I can't even imagine. He's so awkward. Um, I love him. Okay. So first question is from Jess, Jessica in three twelve. So far, which player has exceeded your expectations and who would you like to see more out of? Fantastic question, Jessica. Great question. question. I like that question. I'm going to, I'll start um, in terms of exceeded expectations. And this is honestly, it's the non Lafreniere category. Yeah. I was about to say that's got to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's caveat it with saying that you can't use him as your answer. Um, you know what, you know, who's been really impressive the and maybe this is a little bit of recency bias, but, um, and I know he had a rough first few games, let's say, but Braden Schneider has been quite good. And that pair with Eric Gustafson has been excellent. I mean, that's gotta be one of the better third pairs in the NHL. Again, I, I don't have any numbers, uh, to back up that opinion. I'm just going off of vibes, but, uh, you know, and I was worried about Schneider because he did have that rough start. And I was like, uh, is he not going to get the system? It is a little bit more complex, you know, the coach asked the players to do a lot more thinking on their feet and they, you know, they transition from, you know, the different, you know, uh, four checks based on puck location and situation. I'm like, is he not going to pick this up? You know, does he have the IQ for it? And I think he's proven me wrong in that regard, but also just, you know, the offense that, that he flashes in his game. I mean, he scored an absolute beauty of a goal, um, against Edmonton. He also, you know, has set up some scoring chances with some nice quick, you know, stretch passes up the ice. So he's, he's begun to um, move the puck up the ice more effectively. And he's playing with a partner who I think helps to um, accentuate those parts of his game because, you know, Laviolette wants all five players in the attack. So, you know, Gustafson can kind of initiate Schneider can maybe be the late man, get more shots from the point And when things come open uh, late. So uh, I really like what I've seen from Braden Schneider so far, uh, seen from Braden Schneider so far, excuse me. Um, I want to see a little bit more out of Capo Caco. I think he's been fine. Um, I really like him as a player. I love his style. I think he brings value, but he's only got one goal. I think he has one assist. So you're talking two points in nine games playing on the top line. You know, uh, look, Kreider and Zibanejad are going to get their points, obviously because of, uh, you know, how ridiculously good and efficient the range of power play is, but the top line needs to score at even strength. And that I think is the other thing that bears watching in addition to the fourth line, when you talk about, uh, you know, five on five play, the top line has to score, you know, obviously the Panarin line scoring, that's not an issue, but let's see if, you know, maybe Kako can start putting a few more pucks in the net. So those are my two. Okay. Am I going next? Yes. All right. Um, I love what I, and this is a thousand percent a cop out answer, but I'm going to go with it. I love what I've seen from Artemi Panarin. And it's not just the 15 points in nine games. I was actually looking at his stat lines just now. Dude has put up 90 points in every single season with the Rangers. Yeah, we always think he's underperforming, which is amazing to me. But it's a different kind of Artemi Panarin. Like Lafreniere, he's just been more engaged. He's shooting a hell of a lot more, finally. Mm-hmm. And he still has that vision. I think he really did need 
Filipito on his line. Just a little bit more of an offensively inclined player with softer hands and a little more skill than Vincent Trocek. Uh, I love what I'm seeing at it. He, he is the superstar player that can take over a game and hopefully will continue to do so and take over a game in the playoffs because last year's playoff run was rough for him. And hopefully he his shaved head thing doesn't turn him into a supervillain. <laughs> I'm fine with it Dude. if it's if it's going to get this kind of play out of him. So, you know what? I, I, you could point. I'm okay with him taking a city hostage if he gives the Rangers a cup. <laughs> yeah, just like any random city in Ohio. Honestly, nobody likes Ohio anyway. <laughs> well, you just um, alienated <laughs> at least five of our listeners. Yeah. Um, wait, who, <laughs> so, and who do you want to see more out of? Yeah, wait. Se- second part of the question: player you want to see a little bit more out of. Um, maybe it's because I haven't had an opportunity to watch most of these games in their entirety yet, but I would like to see more out of Vinny Trocek. Sorry, Vincent Trocek. He doesn't go by Vinny. Uh, he's, yeah, he's on the top power play, which is humming along and he hasn't really done much. He's that whole third line is still looking for that, for that first goal. And they'll get there. It's just, I don't know if I should be expecting offense out of him because he's never truly been an offensive player, save for one or two seasons. He's always been a 20 goal, 50 point guy. He's never been that, you know, what he was last year, which was 60 points, except for that one random year in Florida where he put up 75 points. Yeah. I'm looking, he's never really, he's been, he's a 50 point guy. And he's not on pace for that right now. Although, again, it is early. And I I just feel like he's fighting it. And I'm not concerned. I just like to see a little bit more out of him. But again, that could just be me only really seeing the Winnipeg Jets game in its entirety. Yeah. I think we could play a drinking game for like every time you're like, well, I didn't watch this game. Listen, all right, October was a fucking month, all right? That's fine. Um, okay, so I will go. Um, I think that I actually agree with you as far as, like, the player I've been, like, not like what was the actual, I should probably read, um, exceeded my expectations. So I think Panarin has exceeded my expectations, which is ridiculous since he's so good and, like, you know he's always going to be good. But I agree with you, like Panarin's just out of this world amazing. And it makes me kind of sad that we're never going to see another one of his beautiful curls on his head. But like if he has to shave his head to unleash his powers, like that's fine. Um, And I really honestly don't know like who I want to see more out of. I think like I, I have no idea. I truly don't know. I guess maybe like Barkley Goodrow. <laughs> I don't well, like know. Barkley Bedrow. Oh, nah. I mean, I have like a really hot take, but I'm not even going to say it because I don't want. I know it's not going to last, and I don't want oh, to say it. No, I got to say, say it. I mean, Igor's letting in some bad goals for Igor this year. <laughs> That's totally fair. Year too. That's not a hot take. That's not. That's it's not fine. A hot take it's at all. fine. I have all the faith in him. I know he's going to be great, and I really don't like. I would 
like run through a wall for Igor Shostarkin, but like he gave up like I was sitting right there, he gave up a really bad goal. I was like, Igor, man, you got to have that. But I know he'll be just fine. I am not concerned at all. So Barclay Badro it is. <laughs> um, all right. So then here's the last, the next and last question from uh, at NYRNYGCHC. So I guess you're a Rangers, Giants, and Cubs fan. Classic. Interesting mix. Um, would Brzezinski... I, have, I have questions about how you they like blue and red apparently is in terms of colors. I yeah, actually that makes oh. perfect sense. That was really okay. good. And they have a really cute Ooh, dog. Their their avatar is like a really really cute dog. Thank you for listening. Um, yes. would Brzezinski be an improvement over Benino? And would Lavi actually consider waving Titlick slash Benino thirteen F? Um, and then a second question is: If Zach Jones isn't going to play short of an injury, would you trade him? Is Mackey slash Hollowell a capable 7D? So let's start with the with the forward. Okay, so is Brzezinski an improvement over Benino? And would they consider waving Pitlick or Benino? Um, I'll start. So what Brzezinski gives you is speed and, frankly, more offense. Now, on, on the surface, you'd say, yes, that's an improvement. But you have to balance that out with Who's going to do what Benino does, which faceoffs will suffer, which I know, you know, you can debate the value um, in total, but situationally, they certainly matter. And Benino takes a lot of big ones. He's certainly been an anchor on the penalty kill. So you have to replace that. And the penalty killing has been better. Now, that could be uh, system related, right? That could be just coaching and better structure. His, his but metrics it, are phenomenal on the penalty kill, by the r- way. Right. Okay, so so there you go. So not it's not just like, you know, he sticks his leg out and blocks a shot, and we all think he's better than he is. He's actually bringing tangible value. Um, so I like John Brzezinski as a player, but as a full-time 4C, probably not. I think he's more of like the, when there's an injury, he's a good call-up for as a guy who, you know, you can put out there for eight or nine minutes, and you know he's not going to fuck up. Um and look, I mean, Pitlick's a perfect 13th forward, so I, I don't see them waving him either. Um, I think, as we said before about Benino, you just kind of ride it out. He's a veteran player. Give him until Christmas or, you know, mid-January to see, you know, if he gets his legs under him and if things kind of stabilize for that line. Um, and then you reassess as the deadline gets closer. So, um, And then the, the second part of the question, uh, I'll lay out on the Zach Jones thing. Because, uh, you know, Dave, I think you've you've, you've been sort of I mean, you know, it's been a it's been a question about are they going to trade Zach Jones for two years now? Um, something we talk about a lot, but all I'll say is this again: preseason, so take it with a grain of salt. I thought Mac Hollowell looked pretty good. Um, I think he probably could step in in a pinch and be fine. He is all offense, you know. From what I saw, you know, he he's on the smaller side. He's a real smooth skater, moves the puck well, but you know, can he be trusted to play? Uh, you know, defense at a high level, you know, for a team that emphasizes the defensive side of the puck. I don't know. Um, and I guess Connor Mackey was the other guy. You know, I don't have as, as much of an opinion on Mackey. I will say Hollowell stood out during preseason. I thought he looked pretty smooth and he does have, you know, four or five games of NHL experience with Toronto. So um, take that for what it's worth. But um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, look, I would, I would love for, I would love for Zach Jones to get some games. When Braden Schneider was struggling, I thought, hey, why not try Jones and Gustafson together? I think they did one game, and it was kind of pretty good. So um, anyway, that's my thought. Dave, what do you think? 
first on Brodzinski. Without an injury, I don't see him getting called up. I don't think he's just going to be a flat-out replacement for Benino. They're going to give Benino time. I Pitlick is fine. He's not the guy that you worry about losing on waivers to call up. Somebody who would be better and fill a better spot in the lineup, and that's not Brodzinski. I love Brodzinski. He's, I think he'd be a better option as the 13 forward than Pitlick, but he's also mm-hmm. Hartford's captain, which is basically a death sentence to your NHL career when that happens. Ken I'm not even, I'm not even joking. Ken Jernander, Ryan Bork, um, Dane Byers, you know, none of these guys ever made the NHL. Well, Jernander uh, was a decent player too. And I think Brodzinski probably could be a, full-time NHLer, but he's, he's just a, almost that perfect quadruple a level, you know, level player. I, I think he'd be a fourth liner on a bad team. He's not a regular on a good team right. as crappy as that sounds. Cause I like him. I like his play style, but he's not the guy that you bring up to fix a fourth line that doesn't necessarily need fixing right now. We just need to watch and wait. And I know waiting kind of sucks, but I've heard it's the hardest part. <laughs> Sorry. Thank I'm you, gonna, Tom Petty. I'm gonna Dick. just <laughs> back away. <laughs> God, I just hit the high chair, so that was my karma. You know what? I, karma. I, karma. <laughs> um, and regarding Zach Jones, I don't know. You're today. I'll have one answer. Tomorrow, how I'll, I'll have another. Um. They're going to eventually have injuries, specifically Ryan Lindgren, is eventually going to get hurt for more than one game. And we'll get a better look at what Jones is. And they, there's no rush to trade him. The kid's making an NHL salary. He's making a lot more than all of us. So would he? Would it be nice to see what he has? Yeah, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and the defense ain't broke. As for yeah, Hollowell... I think it was Steve Dangle that said Hollowell is a good kind of 70, 80. And if he needs to play, then we'll, we might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And I was just going to add on, on the um, Zach Jones thing. And then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to Becky for her answers. Uh, you have to trust that Peter Laviolette has actually had the conversations with him. Whereas Gerard Gallant didn't do that right. Capo Caco famously scratched for a playoff game. Never heard the co- from the coach on that. Um, you have to uh, hope, and I think Laviolette certainly seems like the type of guy who has talked to Zach Jones and said, hey, listen, man, there's only six spots. There's seven defensemen. We're rolling really well right now. You'll get your shot. Just be patient. Uh, and Jones seems like a pretty good kid. He's been very patient uh, through the years here as, as the Rangers have kind of built a really strong defense core. Um, that, that, you know, as up to this point, hasn't needed his services. So, um, yeah, just wanted to share that, 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 uh, addition on Jones, uh, Becky, your, your thoughts on that question. Um, so I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been said before. So, you know, like same thing with Brzezinski. Like I love him as a player. I think he's great. Really cute family. Always featured on like Rangie's Instagram. Love it. Um, but probably not the guy. Um, and like Zach Jones is like a complete, 
I actually agree with you too. Like, and I really like Schneider. I think Schneider's great. I think he's, but like Gustafson's been really good too. And like, what are you going to, what are you going to do here? You know, like what's the answer to get Jones in? So I don't know. I like, I'm not going to say anything groundbreaking or different from what either of you have said here. I think they're all really like valid questions and, and things to think about. I would love to never see Pitt like again. That's for sure. Um, also Ooh, probably a, a don't want to see Ben Harper again. Oh, well, y- yes, please. God, no. So, you know, I think having like as our options for 13 forward slash 7D, like they're good options. And I hate to say this, but like injuries happen and you're not going to have a completely healthy team for the whole year. So I think think about it more like as we get a little bit like I wouldn't want to trade Jones now at all. So no. I mean, unless no, they can get a first-round pick like they did for Lundquist. I would do that in a heartbeat and find a seventh defenseman. Right, like, but I doubt Lundquist that that's the market really for Zach. I got confused. <laughs> oh, right. That took Nils, me a minute. Niels. Yeah. Yes, I, I doubt that there's that market for him, right? I mean, you know, uh, the, the Rangers benefited from a little bit of lack of knowledge on Niels Lundquist. Or, you know, he, he wasn't with the organization that long. He was just coming off that huge season in Sweden. You know, he played a handful of games for the Rangers and they moved him, right? So, um, you know, it, it that it's a little bit of an apples and oranges situation there. You know, Zach Jones, I think just people don't know what he is at the NHL level yet. And I think, you know, at some point we'll find out. Um, so, all right, well, thanks uh, to everyone for the questions. Uh, Dave, Becky, any final thoughts? So the Rangers head into a game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, that is later today, if you're listening to the show when it drops on Thursday, always fun when they play the hurricanes, I'm hoping they don't get outshot, you know, 45 to 12, like they usually do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking with Peter, Peter Laviolette that, you know, that he might have a plan for that to make sure that that doesn't happen. But Carolina's Carolina, you know what they are. It's heavy forecheck. They throw a lot of pucks at the net uh, and we'll see how the Rangers respond coming off a long road trip. That first home game back is usually a huge challenge. It's very difficult for whatever reason. There's uh, there's no real explanation for it. It just is. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, any final thoughts from you, Dave? So Caroline is the first real test because they just got Svetch back and they're scoring seemingly at will. The good news is that Caroline is also allowing goals at a record pace. So... This could, this I believe is the first test. If the Rangers, the Rangers should be able to score because Carolina has been Swiss cheese. They've been horrible defensively, and if they can shut down Carolina's ability to put the puck in the net, even with Svechnikov, uh, I think that'll shut a lot of haters up real fast about the Rangers haven't beat anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to make a bold prediction. The Rangers win six to one. Wow. Dave, do you think uh, the fact that Tony D'Angelo plays a lot of minutes for that team has something to do with them being awful defensively? Just a question. (laughs) I honestly forgot he got re-signed there. It's so good. It's like so jarring. The trajectory is so good. And like all of the Hurricanes Twitter just being like, you can't sign D'Angelo. I'm not going to watch the team. And then like promptly watching the team. So like, okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful. I do kind of feel bad for Sam, though, because she had to go through uh, Kane here, right? So she had D'Angelo with 
the Canes. Then she had Kane with the Rangers, and then she had D'Angelo back to the game. I feel bad for her. She also had D'Angelo with the Rangers first. So yeah. that, oh, D'Angelo with the Rangers was... too, yeah. Yeah. Like. yeah. All bad. Um, all right, so Dave's got the Rangers down for a 6-1 win uh, against Carolina. We'll see how that one plays out. Becky, any final thoughts or bold predictions from you? I don't have a bold prediction. I just want them to be – I don't give a shit about the shots, and I don't care. Just beat them. Win's a win. Um, Absolutely. Six goals on six shots, and then Igor makes 50 saves. Just win, baby. (laughs) 50 saves will get his save percentage up, and his goals against down, I'll take it. Well, 50 saves won't get his goals, but you know what I mean. So, Totally. Yeah, just win, baby. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, it's uh, it's been fun here on Live from the Blue Seats, and we will be back with you next Thursday.